Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Uh, time for Tell Me Why with Graham Finlay. Uh, if that, as uh, usually, if you have a question for Graham, afternoon at newstalk.com is your email address. Today's question is What is post or transhumanism? Good afternoon, Graham. Good afternoon. Uh, and are they are they the same thing or two different things? Well, no. I I was initially. I want to talk about transhumanism because those are the really scary people. To right. Be honest. Okay. <laughs> but, okay. Uh, so posthumanism is a really really broad set of concerns, let's say, or a theoretical entities, you know, views and approaches, uh, and they don't all agree about everything. It's not like it's a movement, um, and uh, and transhumanism is a bit of a movement, but okay. uh, even they don't agree about everything. So the posthuman in general concerns the idea that we move beyond the sort of age of humanism and also the, with its relentless focus on the human. Uh, now, what does that mean? Well, it's sort of the idea that with the sort of Renaissance and the Enlightenment, we became really focused not on what God wanted us to do, but what we wanted to do and sure. our well-being. And the human was seen as having a really fixed set of characteristics, which it turned out a lot of people, especially women, didn't live up to yes right? <laughs> so the human turned out to be people like me so mm. and other people were not quite so human uh, and indeed some of them were not seen as human at all or subhumans and things like that and and so that's problematic and has led to a lot of theorizing but at the same time uh it also is accompanied and i you know i think that's that's an interesting conversation to have but that's been accompanied with the idea that we're going to move we're moving on to or could move on to or should move on to some kind of state where we are just not human anymore. So the first one is like we should rethink our own um, sort of place in our, our thinking. We should decenter ourselves, get over ourselves as much as possible. Think about our relationship to, to other animals, but also maybe to AI and other non-biological beings and things like that. Okay. But then there are people who are like, you know, we really are becoming those kinds of beings, or at least we're becoming a new species, which is different from the, the current species we are. And some people are worried about this, right? And some people are like, yes, finally, my implants will allow me to be a super soldier. Uh, and that will be awesome. Uh, and, and, <laughs> and, and so there are people who are especially artists um, uh, the, the, uh, and, you know, artists who are, who are getting implants put into themselves so they can become uh, cyborgs. Right. And these are transhumanists who are getting yeah, all no, the implants. So that would be in the transhuman sort of genre. Yeah. Where... Um, you know, people are thinking about anyway. I mean, one of the leaders of this, the guy who's the first official cyborg, is a guy called Neil Harbison, who's an artist. Mm, who, yeah. um, who's you might have had him on the show. Who knows, right? Spanish, Irish, and British. Uh, but we went for his British passport, and they wouldn't let him uh, take the picture. They wouldn't accept his picture until he took off the sort of antenna which was protruding from the back of his head, mm. uh, which he pointed out was fused to his skull. And so that would have been a bit awkward. Uh, and and he did it because he was born without the ability to see color at all, which is extremely rare. And so he got this so that he could feel colors. He got the wave, you know, wavelengths of light translated into sounds, which he could then uh, interpret as colors. And, and he's quite successful at replicating colors and painting and things like that, uh, you know, in, in, in his life. And, and it's a, a bit of an art piece. But because he couldn't find any doctors who were willing to do it, he got it done by sort of secret doctors. And a lot of this stuff, there are a lot of people out there <laughs> who are basically putting implants in their bodies, you know, lots and lots of electrodes or, you know, sensors and things like that. Yeah, I've, I have. Inter- I, I, I'm sure you I, have. It wasn't Neil Harmson, but I did interview some guy um, uh, in the States who had a lot of this stuff. And basically, 
basically yeah. he could like open his garage door with his eye yeah. edge. You know, it yeah, wasn't one anything that impressive. To, to pay for stuff with his palm. And, yeah. And uh, it's like, and I'm sure he was ahead of sort of phones which pay for things, but I'm not sure I'm sticking stuff under my skin uh, just so I can pay for stuff with my palm. Especially when, because very few doctors will do this, you often have to do it at home without anesthetic. And it's extremely Ow. painful. Right? Yeah. So these people are suffering for their art. But behind them is a whole wall of theory of, uh, of computer scientists and, and sort of extreme cognitive scientists and philosophers who really think that not only is this happening, but that it should happen and that we should modify and indeed enhance ourselves so that we're all we can be. And the moral philosophers sometimes say that we've got a duty to be all we can be. We're a duty, have a duty to be the most perfect person we can. And so if we can through genetics or um, artificial enhancements or drugs or pills or whatever you're having yourself, basically, and they were having all of them, you know, um, you, you have a duty to run faster, jump higher and, and, and become super soldiers. Uh, and, and responsibility to whom? Yeah, our, yeah, moral responsibility to ourselves, mm. but maybe also sort of to the universe. But, uh, you know, so it's not just like <laughs> I want to be a super soldier because that would be cool and I'm the best. Right. But rather the, the idea is that I'm, I, I think I have a duty to be the best person I can. Mm. And uh, so a lot of people have found some of the ancestry of this in Nietzsche, who, who did have this view where he sort of prized perfect sort of autonomous although not in a like a, a sort of boring sense of autonomy sort of self-willed beings who who create their sort of own reality um as and and he didn't really care about the people who they might be left behind or indeed oppressed by those mm. um supermen right uh, and uh, or overmen depending on on the translation you read so um but i think it is a little more complex than that he he wasn't super keen on technology i think he thought this was more of an act of will rather than something you could go buy off a shelf yeah okay but so so basically these people believe that that there's what we are now is just a start and that we have to it's it's beholden on us to to go and transform ourselves into something else yeah. that may or may not be better yeah so i mean they think that basically we aren't we're a bit rubbish frankly yes. <laughs> and if the technology is there whether it's again through ai or it's through prostheses or if it's through the modification of your future children right um you know that we have a like a strong duty both to ward off bad things right and this is this is all really really complicated because mm. you know uh there's a distinction between enhancements which take someone of sort of as it were quote unquote normal or you know the normal human range of ability and then enhances it beyond possibly the human range but then there are sort of um, re remedies you know um, uh, clinical treatments there's treatments and 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 things which address people who for whatever reason um, are below or have some particular sure. deficit this leads you into all sorts of complicated areas like uh, again how do you think about disability I think a lot of people in the disabled community and have the social model of disability, which is it's not the impairment that is disabling you. It's society's disabling you by not making any space for you yes. if you need a wheelchair to get around or whatever. Right. And, and a lot of people would be concerned if you got all focused on just eradicating those people uh, and mm. uh, and and making all of our children sort of that much smarter. Right. As if that was so easy to do. Uh, or even in some of the versions of this, and Julian Savulescu in Oxford is big on this, making us all more moral, 
Right, which I think is having having tried to make people moral for decades now, it is not as easy as I think he he thinks. But uh, and how does he think we'll we'll go about making everybody more moral? It involves a number of controversial claims. One is that it all comes down to genes, right? And so oh, then we God, like find is... the solidarity gene and we just knock out the one which makes us take take stuff from our local shop, right, or cheat on our our, our spouses <laughs> or things like that, right? <laughs> you know, uh, it needs I think some 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 hard work with an actual geneticist before you start talking about this kind of thing. But the idea is that our, you know, I think he's worried that our societies will collapse because of polarization and conflict. And we could just sort of get rid of that. That would be good. That would mm. be an enhancement. But, we are actually but quite even, normally very yeah, conflictual. But, so. yeah, I don't know about the, if there's a goodness, Gene, but like and certainly in terms of uh, in, in the not too distant future, people will be able to say, I want my child to have blue eyes and be good at running. Uh, and that would be usually the prominence of wealthy people. So wealthy people will have wealthy, healthy uh, um, slightly better kids than the rest of us will. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest problems with the transhumanists is they're not madly concerned with social justice. Some are. Some are worried about the inegalitarian aspects of this. But I think they're so fixated on the technology that they're like, let's just go for it. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> if it means that like only Peter Thiel, who's really, really interested in this stuff, all these, it's all these tech bros and, okay. and believe me it is all the tech bros you know who want to live forever because they want to be around to spend their money and and they're the most important people on the planet you know given that technology hasn't thus far led to an egalitarian society i think it's fair to say uh it's you know no matter how how good our phones get you know it doesn't seem to exactly bring in the workers paradise you know i think there is a real concern that they're going to be so focused on the technology that they're not going to think about its distribution uh, now, mm. some of them are thinking about it, but what's really driving a lot of this is whenever we come across a technology which can do some of this, we basically do it. So I had a brilliant student who wrote a, a thesis on germline intervention, which is messing with people's germlines, but in a way which is hereditable, right? And there's a lot of reasons to go in and engage in sort of gene therapy of particular embryos because some really terrible conditions, which are very difficult for people like Tay-Sachs, are very, very limited set of genes which mm. are involved. But you then get the question about, yeah, should we go in and, and, and make all children above average, right, and, and so forth. And, and what's really striking is, you know, this is using this CRISPR tool where you're basically yeah. just slicing and dicing and editing people's genes and, and organisms' genes. Uh, every time a, a pretty straight-up application of CRISPR to human beings has come up, People basically do it, and all those ethical qualms go away, right? Yeah. If you, there's a, a there's a quite rare sort of condition which can be um, edited for, basically, I forget exactly what it does. I think it's it's it, it, it's not good for you to have. Mm. Uh, and and as soon as that option came open, they just people just went for it. And every as a society, as a global society, we're like, yep, that sounds good. <laughs> well, why didn't we do this before? Yeah. It's oh, we couldn't, right? So so I mean, there there's a lot. This is really starting to accelerate. Right. And that's even before we get to the to the crazy new prostheses we're developing. Yeah. Uh, but then there are kind of things that mm, at the moment might be. Some people might be morally questionable, but as soon as someone someone somewhere in the world does it, then that makes it OK for everybody else. That is the really tricky thing. I, how do you regulate a global technology world which is rapidly accelerating and where the means of, of, of doing it are 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 becoming cheaper and cheaper and easier and easier to do. And, and like the speed with which CRISPR, for example, has developed is, is quite extraordinary. Um, now, you can regulate technology internationally through international agreements, human cloning, for example. Now, 
Last I checked, Ireland didn't specifically ban human cloning because we've never been able to agree about what our principles of assisted reproduction should be in this country. (laughs) Largely, now maybe, I mean, there's been a report for years which was sort of sitting on the shelf and nobody was doing anything about it. Please confirm to me if if we have, in fact, sorted out the human cloning problem. But so people aren't cloning each other in a shed and, you know, you know, Drimna or something like that. Right. (laughs) You know, but um, but we've quite successfully avoided, as far as we know, human cloning, that the researchers who claim to have done it in China, you know, and now it isn't so clear. Right. That's because cloning human beings is difficult. Mm -hmm. But. Again, where we have all these these jurisdictions which don't have the kind of scrutiny which hopefully we have in Ireland, so that people aren't cloning each other in sheds in in Drimna, you know uh, that you know it is really genuinely worrisome, and people are really pushing the boundaries in a lot of ways, mostly with animals. But they found out ways to make super jellyfish who can swim three times as fast. They found out ways to have monkeys control things with their minds. Um, and some of these transhumanists have gone for the I can control stuff with my minds and can communicate with my my partner you know, telepathically, as it were, by using all the implants they put inside themselves. Um, What's really, really interesting is body parts. Uh, And so they've managed to um, 3D print ears. And in fact, I should say, my wife recently broke a tooth and she was able to get a 3D printed tooth inserted within about an hour and a half. Hmm. Now, this wasn't in this country. I don't, hopefully you can do this here. Hmm. But uh, the other thing is, and and it's maybe a little, not so very afternoon, but... um, you can grow vaginas in a lab. I did not know that. <laughs> yes, yes so, I did so not they know took, that. There's a condition where young women um, are, well, girls are born without vaginas, uh, and they become young women. And with a number of young women, they've taken some vulva tissue, uh, grown it under the conditions which simulate the human body, into a fully functioning vagina, which is tailored for that particular person, as you would presumably like your vagina to be, they have inserted the vaginas, and they have been a complete success. They, they, they seem to have perfectly normal function. That's extraordinary. That is very extraordinary. <laughs> Graham, thanks a million. As ever, Graham Finley, there you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.